do you struggle with self-compassion? I was self-aware most of my life about my own messed up beliefs, thoughts, and habits. I knew exactly what childhood stories they were born out of even, but I had no self-compassion. Instead, I was still judging, condemning, and hating myself over it. I was telling myself I should be past this, should be able to get over it, should be stronger than this. I shamed myself. I looked in a mirror and said horrible things to myself, thinking that maybe that would motivate me to change. I would generate some harebrained plan for me to get it together and restrict and punish myself to lose weight, which of course would only last a few days or maybe a few weeks before I would self-sabotage. Can you relate? Most of the women I work with already have a high level of self-awareness, but they lack self-compassion. We cannot rewire our brains until we have self-compassion. We can lose weight without self-compassion. We can reach our goals without self-compassion. We can hate ourselves through the whole process, and we will still feel miserable once we see that number on the scale. Sure, we'll feel a temporary thrill, but we will very quickly adapt and go back to feeling miserable, or we'll just move the goalpost and think that we need to lose more weight to love ourselves. We cannot let go and move on from our old ways through self-judgment and shame, only through self-love. Judgment and fear might produce temporary behavior modification, but love is what produces true long-term change from the inside out. This month's mindset class is called Compassion for Your Coping. In this class, you will learn about your Enneagram personality and how it has impacted your relationship with food, weight, and body image. You'll learn your childhood wound, or the primary message that you received as a child, and how it shapes the story that you tell yourself about your life, your health, your weight, and your capabilities. You'll learn your signature brand of coping with self-compassion and gratitude for how it has helped you survive. You'll learn easy, practical ways to practice self-compassion, and you'll get specific personal growth recommendations that you can begin to take action on. When you sign up, I will email you access to the recorded class, and you can watch it whenever is good for you and have access to it forever. The price is just $22 through PayPal. Head over to bit.ly slash self-care keto class to sign up today. Hey guys, welcome back to the self-care keto podcast. I am your coach, Jess, and I help women lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset. Today, I want to talk to you guys about a question that I was recently asked on a podcast episode where I was a guest, and this is a question that I get asked um, quite frequently, actually, between, um, you know, maybe when I'm interviewing um, on different podcasts or um, maybe I'm talking to a potential client, and the question is this, how do you stay consistent? So I love sharing my story about how keto has completely transformed my life. And unless this is the first episode that you're listening to, you've probably heard a version of it either on this podcast or on my social media. So I won't get into that right now. But I've been consistent with keto for the last almost nine years. This November will be nine years. And so people are usually like, what? Like you, you never deviate, you never go off plan, you never cheat, yada, yada. And I'm like, no, not, not really. No. Um, you know, I might have intentional times when I, um, eat more carbs or something like that, but I never really have, um, you know, just fallen off the wagon. It was a completely life transforming thing for me. And I really think a big reason for that 
is, um, yes, because I set up certain habits in my life, which we're going to talk about the external environment that you need to stay consistent. But really it was due to the change in my internal environment. It was due to the change in my beliefs. And so in the past, whenever I have answered this question, how do you stay consistent? I think I've talked a lot about the external environment stuff and I help my clients with this for sure. Um, but this is the first time that I really answered this question from more of an internal environment perspective. And so my answer to, um, this podcast interviewer was how do I stay consistent with the belief that I'm consistent unless I have a damn good reason not to be. And we're going to explore this a little bit as we move on through the episode. But I want to say that again, I stay consistent by holding the belief that I am consistent unless I have a damn good reason not to be. So Let's first talk a little bit about the external environment stuff, just in case you're new to this podcast or um, you really just need some help in this area, because it is very important. Our external environment is important and our internal environment or our mindsets are equally important. So a lot of times when I'm working with clients, I help them identify what are your external obstacles. So like actually things in your external environment, maybe, um, you know, you work a lot of long hours or maybe you um, have to cook for several different people with several different types of, um, you know, nutritional needs or whatever it might be. These are called external obstacles. And then there's internal obstacles. So it's the way that you're thinking about a situation. It's the story that you're telling yourself about it. So maybe you have a scarcity mindset surrounding time, or maybe you feel like you have to be a people pleaser and accommodate other people. Um, or if you don't, then you're not going to be loved or things like that. So sometimes an external obstacle really is also an internal obstacle at the same time. But today in this podcast episode, we're going to address both. How do you stay consistent by looking at the external environment and also looking at the internal environment? And so I find that a lot of the information that's out there surrounding keto, um, it's very strategic, right? It's very, um, here's the science, here's the right strategies to follow, just do it and you'll lose weight. Right. And so a lot of stuff, too, about like, how do you be consistent? Well, here's the science of habit change. So just set it up in this way and it'll work and you just do it. Like I've heard a lot of people say, like, you don't need to feel motivated. You just do it anyway. Like habit is what you can rely on when your motivation fails you. And to some extent, I do believe that that's true. But I also think that if you're consistently not motivated, that that is worth paying attention to, like to dig into the curiosity behind that that you probably have a good reason for it instead of just, oh, nobody's motivated. Oh, you know, like just force yourself to do it anyway. Like just ignore the little internal voices that you're having inside and just freaking do it anyway. Just put the running shoes on and go, right? And so like, I've heard a lot of people say this, that like, of course, nobody feels like putting on their running shoes and you just do it anyway. Like suck it up, just do it. And like, this is where I really um, deviate from kind of that mainstream messaging. And I think that this is really kind of like, uh, the, the bro science stuff, right? Like not to knock on the masculine, but like it, it is very masculine energy, like action, just do it. Right. And then more of a feminine approach is like the internal environment, like the, not the doing, but the being. And, and that is just as important. And a lot of times I find with my clients, like, of course we could set up all of the external stuff, like to do things right. Like we're going to um, talk about your habits and we're going to talk about your environment and not bringing certain foods into the house and meal prepping ahead of time and developing a weekly routine and a morning routine and an evening routine and, you know, all of these things. Right. But a lot of times you get all of that stuff set up and you're still not doing what you want to be doing. Right. And why? Well, 
you have a very good reason why. And we're, we're going to talk about that today. It's the, it's the internal stuff. It's the beliefs that are causing us to actually self-sabotage. And self-sabotage is actually always a good thing. And it, it, as long as we treat it with curiosity, we're going to talk about that. Okay. So I'm going to not spend too much time talking about the external stuff. Um, but there is great science to habit change, right? And so when you're forming a new habit, of course, you want to make it as easy as possible. You want to make it as obvious as possible. Um, and you, if you're doing the inverse, if you're trying to break a habit, right? So you want to make it a little bit harder for yourself to get to the things that you don't want to do. So like, for example, you know, don't bring a lot of carbs or processed foods into the house, if, if possible, um, that's going to really uh, create an obstacle for you being able to go ahead and do that thing. So that makes sense, right? You want to make it a little bit harder for you to do. You want to make it a little less obvious, take things um, out of your line of sight, like put it, put it um, in a different cabinet in the house or something like that. Right. Um, so that's kind of the things that you've probably heard a lot before. Um, but one that maybe you haven't heard of is habit stacking. This is something that is super helpful. So whenever you're trying to form a new habit, you want to stack it with a habit that already exists. So, um, you know, if you want to start practicing affirmations once a day, um, what's a habit that you already have that exists? Maybe it's having your cup of coffee in the morning. Maybe it's brushing your teeth. Maybe it's driving to work. Like these are all things that you're already doing every day. So the easiest way to start working on that new habit of practicing an affirmation every day, just as an example, would be to um, put a sticky note by your coffee pot that has your affirmation on it or on the bathroom mirror where you're brushing your teeth or on your car dashboard. And then you see it every day. It's obvious. It's in your line of sight. It's easy for you to do. Just start saying it out loud, you know, wherever. And you're attaching it to the habit that already exists, which is drinking the coffee or brushing the teeth or driving to work. So that's called habit stacking. Um, another thing that really, really helps in forming a new habit is to try to make it part of your identity. And the way that you can do this is actually by um, associating yourself with a tribe. And so, you know, there's definitely a keto tribe out there, right? Sometimes I don't love it so much because it kind of becomes the keto police. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I really don't like that where we're just demonizing all other ways of eating or people telling you that's not keto or that's dirty keto or that's lazy keto or whatever. But for its flaws, it does have a lot of benefits as well, which is the eating keto, let's just say, kind of becomes part of your identity. You start saying that about yourself, like I eat keto or I'm keto, right? Literally, you're saying I am keto. And so it's attaching it to your identity. Um, for somebody who is working on developing a habit of running, if they start to see themselves as a runner and say, I am a runner, and then they join a bunch of Facebook groups about running, um, or they start running with a group of people on Saturday mornings, right? So all of these things are actually shifting it so that it feels like it's part of your identity. And then when you see yourself as that kind of a person, so let's just say you see yourself as a runner, what do you associate with that? Well, you probably associate it with a runner is healthy, a runner, a runner is disciplined, a runner challenges themselves. Um, and all of the qualities that you would associate with being a runner, you now associate with yourself. And so um, actually, this can be called sometimes a keystone habit. So it's one habit that if you get that right, it kind of creates a domino effect in the rest of your life. And the reason for that is because it actually changes the way that you see yourself. And so when I actually started eating keto, I saw myself now as more of a healthy person. And it changed the way that I conceptualized myself. And all of a sudden, I started making my bed, I started clearing out clutter from my house, and a lot of different things changed in my life. I see this happen with the women that I coach all of the time. 
And so that's called a keystone habit, or in other words, um, it influences your identity. So a lot of these concepts that I'm getting right now are from some great books that I would love to recommend to you if you want to read more about changing your external environment and working on kind of the science of habit change. So I would recommend Atomic Habits, and that's by James Clear. And then another great book is called The Power of Habit, and that's by Charles Duhigg. So kind of just one more thing about the whole external environment thing is if you haven't had a chance to listen to my podcast episode, it's several episodes back, but go ahead and check it out. It's the self-care keto podcast, of course, that you're listening to right now, but go ahead and look for the um, episodes that are called hack your motivation. Um, so in the hack your motivation, you're going to learn about your four tendencies type. And this is a concept from Gretchen Rubin. And so you'll learn whether you are externally motivated or internally motivated or both or neither. And so this is one of the first things that I do with my clients in terms of creating like external strategies that are really going to work for you. So some people really thrive off of external accountability. Some people don't really need it so much. They're more internally motivated. Um, but for people who thrive off of external accountability, which is the majority of people, by the way, um, at least 60% of people um, thrive off of external accountability. So there's nothing wrong with you. It's very normal and very helpful. Um, so you're going to want to create some type of external accountability in your life for whatever goal that you're working on. So sometimes, yeah, joining the Facebook group or joining a group of um, other people who are doing the same thing as you, hiring a coach is another great um, strategy for somebody that is externally motivated. So to get to know some of these things about yourself and start to set up external strat strategies in your life, of course, that's going to be so, so, so helpful with being consistent. But again, a lot of this is focused on the doing, the external stuff, your, your outward actions. And now I'd really like to focus a little bit more on the internal environment. So I have a client who I've been working with her for several weeks now, and we totally worked on a ton of the external stuff, right? And I see this pattern happen a lot. Within her first month, she was doing fantastic. She lost 10 pounds, right? And then kind of reached a stall. And when the stall kicks in, all of a sudden, all of your creeping thoughts come back up. You're freaking out. This isn't going to work. It's hopeless. Um, you know, it's never really going to work. It's not fair that I even have to do this, you know, all of these things. And so she started to experience some deviations, right? And so with her experiencing deviations, once again, um, you know, remember your brain has a filter and it's looking for examples to prove your current beliefs to be true. So it's showing you evidence to reinforce your current beliefs and it's deleting evidence of the opposite of your current beliefs. So one of her limiting beliefs that she's held about herself for a really long time is, I'm just not a consistent person. I can't be consistent. No matter what I do, I'm just lazy. I'm incapable of being consistent. And so this is what I do with my clients as well, as we work on the internal mindset stuff. We have to rewire the brain. We have to rewire the beliefs that are holding us back because this is what is actually causing us to self-sabotage. And so... I took her through one of my exercises that I do about rewiring beliefs and go through a series of questions about, you know, just self-inquiry. Um, and so I'm going to share with you guys a little bit about this. So is it true? That's the first question to ask yourself. And remember, it's okay to say yes, if you feel that way, because remember your brain is giving you that filter of all of the examples, right? So she had a million examples to reference. Yes, of course it's true. I'm not consistent. I've had like several deviations over the last couple of weeks. I have you know, never really been able to stick with a diet long-term. So many failed attempts at weight loss. Your brain is going to offer you all of those things. Can you absolutely know that it's true is the second question. 
So usually, you know, we ask this question twice. Is it true? Sure. Okay. You're going to find the first time. Can you absolutely know that it's true? That kind of asks your brain to, is it possible that there's a different explanation for this other than the current belief that I'm holding? Yeah. Now we're starting to open up a little bit and show some curiosity instead of just judgment. So that's so important, you guys. Note that one, okay? Show curiosity towards yourself instead of judgment. That's the only way we're going to start to actually make changes is through curiosity and eventually self-compassion, not self-judgment and criticism. I know a lot of you guys, that's all you've ever really been shown from the other people in your life is just judgment instantly. Like something's going on with you, you're crying, maybe you're misbehaving in school, just instant judgment, instant punishment, never any curiosity. It's just suck it up, fall in line, do what you should do, right? Nobody ever taught that to you, but you have to show curiosity. You have to show self-compassion if you actually want not just outward behavior modification that causes you to kind of submit in fear and just kind of comply, fall in line. You want true internal change, transformation from the inside out. That's the only thing that's going to actually help you to have success long-term is if you change from the inside out, not just willpower. So remember to actually show curiosity and self-compassion towards yourself. So can you absolutely know that it's true? No, I can't really know that it's because there's something wrong with me. I'm lazy. I'm inconsistent. Maybe there is another explanation here. How do you respond when you believe that it's true? How do you think, feel, and act? So my client shared that she felt hopeless, that she wanted to give up, that she felt sad, that she felt frustrated, that basically she felt grief over the loss of this dream that she has to get healthy and to lose weight. And so how did she behave is she would just eat whatever she wanted without any regard for it. So the next question is, who would you be without this belief? How would you feel? What would you do differently than what you're currently doing? This is where she got a little bit stuck. So I was helping her through this. Um, after you kind of explore this, this section, you want to create a turnaround statement. So what is actually the opposite of the belief that you've held. And so this is really common where, you know, you're just going to instantly think of the, the, the opposite. Um, so if I think I'm inconsistent, then maybe the opposite is I am consistent, right? But sometimes that doesn't really do the trick, right? It feels like you're lying to yourself. And so sometimes just having a coach, having somebody who can see the broader perspective in your life, um, or even just somebody who loves you, like a friend or a partner, um, somebody that you look to for wisdom, maybe, that they can see more of a zoomed out perspective than you can. They can see the blind spots that you can't see, right? And so her turnaround statement was, I am consistent. And so I offered to her, what if your turnaround statement is, I'm consistent unless I have a damn good reason not to be. And I love it. Instantly, she just was like, oh, yes. And she was like writing it down, you know, typing on her computer. Like, that's so good. Yes. And I'm like, right? Because you are consistent. Like think about all the other areas of your life where you're consistent. You're a consistently great mom. You're a consistently great worker. You're a consistently great friend. Like, of course you're consistent. It's not some character defect in you. If it was a character defect in you that you're not consistent, well, then you wouldn't be consistent about anything in your life, right? If you really were lazy, like you wouldn't have just gotten promoted at work. Like you wouldn't be able to juggle all the things in your life that you're able to juggle, right? Like it's not a character defect in you. You have a damn good reason not to be consistent with this. And why? Why Why are you not being consistent with your health journey? Well, 
it's usually because maybe you have an unmet need in your life, like we're emotionally eating, right? Like food is filling the role or filling the need for a real unmet need in your life. It's playing a substitute, right? And so I'm not going to get into that so much today because it, there I have several episodes about emotional eating. So go back and listen to some of those if you feel like, oh yeah, that's that's definitely what it is, right? So if that's what it is and you have an unmet need, well, that's why you're not being consistent with this because as soon as you can fill that need, then you're, you're going to be able to be consistent. It's going to relieve the pressure from that, right? We're going to talk back about this in just a, in, in a second. But if you're consistent, there must be either some good reason about either the strategies that you're using or the mindset that you're approaching them with. So you have a BS detector, right? And for those of you guys who maybe, you know, like, eh, I don't really like cussing, you have a nonsense detector, let's say. Um, so I got to credit my client with that one because I'm like, eh, I swear a little bit more than you. And she's like, how about we say nonsense? <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, so good. You have a nonsense detector. And so if you are self-sabotaging, it's a good thing. Every part of you is good, you guys. If you believe that you're at war with yourself and that you're always going to be at war with yourself and this is just your thorn in the flesh that you're going to have forever and ever, like, you know what's going to happen? You're not, you're going to surrender, right? Because nobody can sustain being at war forever and ever. That's why eventually all wars end. We come to some type of a ceasefire. We come to some type of a surrender, a peace agreement, whatever. You can't be at war forever and you can't be at war with yourself forever. So some part of you is going to surrender, right? And it's going to be the, the part of you that is um, in pain, right? The part of you that's trying to change, the part of you that's trying the hardest, the part of you that's the most uncomfortable. That's the one that's going to surrender. And the old familiar part is going to win because that is familiar and it's become easy, right? And so if you believe that this is a war um, between some good part of yourself and some bad part of yourself, well, what's going to happen is that you're going to surrender. And we've all experienced this a million times. You don't have to be at war with yourself between the good part of you and the bad part of you because there is no bad part of you. Every part of you is good. It's just misunderstood. Remember, guys, we have to show curiosity and compassion, right? There's a part of you that is self-sabotaging for a very good reason because that part of you is the nonsense detector. It's saying, okay, like, yeah, I know that you want to be healthy, but it's absolute nonsense that we need to get into a smaller body in order to be loved. It's absolute nonsense that I need to get into a smaller body in order to have credibility or respect in my job. It's absolute nonsense that I need to lose this weight as quickly as possible by any means necessary because I'm an unacceptable until I do. And so a lot of times, guys, this is what's motivating us even though we probably do have some pure part of us that's like, yes, I want to live a long life for my family. I want to have more energy. I want to have more confidence um, to do the things that I want to do with my life, to live out my passion and my purpose and all of those things. All of these things can exist inside of us at the same time. But we also have these other motivations that are nonsense. They've been conditioned into us. It's not um, the truest part of you. It's the part of you that learned when you were a young child, like, oh, okay, I guess this is what I need to be in order to survive. I guess this is what I need to be in order to get my needs met. And so even this part of you is a good part of you. It's it's a protective part of you. It's a nonsense detector part of you that is like, we're going to rebel against this crap. This is ridiculous. Nobody should have to live this way. <laughs> like it is the teenager part of you that is like, y'all a bunch of fakes. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like, 
nobody should live this way. Right. And then, you know, but you've got like the responsible adult that's just like, it doesn't matter how you feel. You just have to suck it off. That's just how the world works. Right. And your inner teenager is like, no, I'm not doing this. This is a bunch of crap. Right. And so that is, that is so good. That's such a good part of you. And we don't want to just try to banish it. We want to show curiosity towards it. Right. So there is this phrase, whatever you resist persists. There's another phrase. If you love something, let it go. Have you heard that before? Like, oh, like if you, if you really love somebody, just, just let them go. And if they're meant to be in your life, then they'll come back to you. Right. Like I remember learning that when I was like 13 and heartbroken. Right. So this saying is kind of a different twist on this. Not if you love something, let it go. But if you want to let something go, you have to love it first. Hmm. As long as you are at war with this part of you, resisting this part of you, it's going to persist. It's going to give it more strength the more that you resist it, right? But if you actually love it, it disarms it. There's not, it doesn't have to fight you anymore. You've shown it that it's safe for that, that part of you to be here. So how do you love it? How do you love this part of you that's self-sabotaging? You can show curiosity towards it, but how do you actually get compassion? For this part of you. By the way, you know, I had a little ad at the beginning of this podcast about my new class this month called Compassion for Your Coping. And if this is really resonating with you, I really encourage you guys to check out that class. Um, you can find that over at bit.ly slash self-care keto class. It's all about self-compassion this month. So how can you find compassion for the part of you that is self-sabotaging, that you feel like you've been at war with this part of yourself? You don't understand why it's sabotaging you, what it's rebelling against, all of this. Can you find compassion for the young, vulnerable part of you that learned this mindset, that you're just lazy or that you're inconsistent? For example, with my client's example here, what is your message that keeps popping up for you? And can you find compassion for that young, vulnerable part of you that learned it? Can you find compassion for the scared, protective part of you today that's holding so tight to its familiarity? Can you recognize and find gratitude for the ways that this belief has helped you survive and brought you to where you are today? Can you validate its concerns as really good points? So validating its concerns, okay? So we're gonna show curiosity towards this part of us that is rebelling against the nonsense. So for my client, as I helped her explore through this, like, okay, you are consistent unless you have a damn good reason not to be. So what is it about the way that we're believing or approaching this that you have a damn good reason to rebel against that. Like, of course, she totally felt like, yeah, I need to be in a smaller body to be loved. I feel like everybody's judging me. Um, you know, in, interestingly, she felt like she was being judged at work for being lazy or undisciplined simply because of her body size, right? She's so the opposite of being lazy or undisciplined, especially in her work ethic, right? So here we are, and we're projecting this now onto ourselves, right? So I'm in a larger body. Other people attribute, you know, you being in a larger body with you being lazy or inconsistent. Okay, now I'm believing this about myself, that I am lazy or inconsistent. And if I'm lazy and inconsistent, then I certainly can't do that. I can't overcome this. I can't stay consistent to these strategies, right? So what is it that this little voice is afraid of, right? What is it? Why is it holding so tight to you being inconsistent about this? Well, of course, we don't want to have to believe that all of this nonsense is true, that we really do have to be in a smaller body to be loved or to be valued or to be respected or whatever, right? But also, you know, just digging into her life, like, what are you getting out of this habit of, let's just say, emotionally eating every night or eating all the carbs every night, right? It's providing some type of pleasure in your life. And 
do you feel like you have a lot of pleasure in your life? Maybe not. Maybe this is the one small pleasure that you have in your life. Well, pleasure is a fundamental human need. That's an unmet need where food is filling that role. So for this client, pleasure was a big thing. And also rest and relaxation was a big thing. Like work, 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 work all day long, working long hours, trying to hustle at work, prove yourself. Also, you feel really good at work because you feel like you know, you know what you're doing there. You're getting a lot of praise and affirmation. That can be a good, healthy thing, right? So it's, it's a mixture. It's a mixed bag, right? But we identified that, you know, she needed to get that sense of pleasure and she needed to get that sense of relaxation at the end of every day. And there was a scared part of her that was thinking if she stays consistent to her plans to lose weight, then she's going to lose those two things, right? And that just doesn't have to be true, right? So, but if you don't ever show curiosity and instead you're just staying at war with yourself and saying, just suck it up, just move on. You should be able to do better than this. Just ignore it. Just push through, yada, yada, yada. You're not, you're going to miss that, right? You're never going to get to the root of the issue. And so we talked about ways that she could still have a ton of pleasure in her life at the end of the day, right? Like you like eating a volume of food because you love sitting in front of the TV, having Netflix and for it to feel like a long experience, right? And if you're just eating all of this, like such nutrient dense food of like, you know, meat and dairy or whatever, you're going to be done with your meal in like five minutes and you're going to be like, ah, I want more, more pleasure, more volume eating, right? So we talked about ways that she could do that by letting herself have an abundance of vegetables and adding some more fruit into her life. I told her to eat the whole quart of strawberries, right? Why? Because eating the whole quart of strawberries is enjoyable. And it's certainly better for you than eating all of the pasta and the box of Cheez-Its and all of these things, right? So again, it's like a perfectionist mindset. It's all or nothing. Like, oh, unless I stick to this exact plan, then everything is ruined, right? No, that's that's such crap. It's not true at all. So have a huge plate of broccoli with butter and salt, right? Have all of the strawberries with some Greek yogurt, right? So like have the pleasure, enjoy your experience. Nobody needs to take that away from you. You don't need to take that away from yourself. And, you know, until you validate that concern that that little voice inside of you has, like, I don't want to lose all the pleasure for my life. You can be like, oh, babe, of course, nobody wants to do that to you. Like, no, of course you can still have pleasure in your life. I am going to help you find a way to make this work where we still have pleasure in our lives. That's a non-negotiable. We have to have pleasure in our lives. I'm with you. Very good concern. Thank you for bringing that up. Right. Same thing with the relaxation, right? It has to be a relaxing experience at the end of the day. I'm still going to have my little ritual surrounding this, whatever. Like a lot of people deal with this with alcohol too. Like how can you recreate the relaxation experience from alcohol if you want to let that go from your life, right? Like, oh, of course you need that relaxation at the end of the day. What's, what's a way that we could replace that? So like, we're going to choose um, something, find some other way to meet that need. We're not just going to let you go without, I've got you, right? And so to be able to validate that little voice inside of you, validate its concerns as really good points. So we can't banish this part of us, right? But we can wrap our arms around it and reintegrate it into ourselves. That's the way that we stop being at war with ourselves, right? Being at war with yourself is such a silly concept. Like you can't fight you, right? You, you are you, all parts of you are good. It would be like the waves of the ocean thinking that they were at war with each other instead of realizing it's all the ocean, right? Every, every wave would feel like it was a threat to another wave, right? That would be ridiculous. Of course, it's all the same ocean and it's beautiful to watch, right? And so whenever one of these parts of you surfaces up like a wave, right? It's not a threat to you. It's just, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And when it comes up, you can treat it with 
curiosity and compassion and say, okay, thanks for showing up. You know, whatever it is, whatever kind of fear or concern that you have, it's a really good point and I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to validate that and I'm going to make sure that I listen in for the unmet need here and make sure that I meet that for myself. I'm going to meet every single need that I have. And so I've been using this illustration with a lot of my clients recently that you are the CEO of all of your voices, right? And so a lot of my clients who work in a professional atmosphere, they can really resonate with this, especially if they're like a boss or, you know, if you are a mom at home and you're having a family meeting and you need to get everybody on board to move forward with some kind of, you know, new plan, right? So you get everybody in the room, you get everybody around the table, you know, you can't just announce this is what we're doing, right? Like a good leader doesn't actually just do that, right? Of course, they're going to like cast a vision and explain the reasons why we're going to do something and how it's going to be good for the whole organization or the whole family and everybody involved. This is why we're doing what we're doing, right? But if you're a good boss or you're a good parent, you're going to detect in the room. You're going to look around the room. You're going to see some looks on people's faces. Some people might be like covering their mouth a little bit, like they're doing a little bit of uh, microaggression, self-hushing, like they've got something to say. You can tell. It's, they're like on board, right? And so if you are, you know, not a great leader, you're like a power over type of leader, you're just going to be like, well, not my problem. Like everybody's just going to fall in line and they're just going to do it. Like I'm the commander in chief here. No. Like that is not going to work. You know what's going to happen is people are going to misbehave. Your your kids or your, your family is going to misbehave. All misbehavior is communication, right? They're communicating an unmet need through that misbehavior. And if they had been heard the first time, maybe they wouldn't be misbehaving passive aggressively, right? But that's what people do. If they don't feel heard, if they don't feel validated, they're not going to get on board. They're going to either misbehave, not perform. Um, and then you have a huge problem on your hands where you're just going to have to like consistently write this person up. It's just going to become a nightmare, right? And really all that you would have needed to do is get in a one-on-one -on -one with this person, with this little voice, this little part of yourself, get in a one-on-one -on -one and really listen, show curiosity. Hey, I noticed that you didn't seem like you were on board with this. It seems like, you know, you might have some type of a concern and I'm not aware of it. So would you mind sharing that with me? Right. And then this little voice inside of you is going to be like, yeah, actually, um, I'm just really afraid that I'm going to lose all the pleasure in my life if we follow this way of eating. Or, yeah, actually, you know, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose all of the relaxation in my life. Or I'm afraid that I'm going to lose um, the love and belonging in my life because of the, you know, family parties and, you know, whatever, whatever it is, right? And you're just going to listen. You're going to be like, oh, thank you for sharing that with me. I didn't really think about that, actually. And you bring up a really good point. So how can we make sure that we're still addressing your concern here and getting all of our needs met and still move forward and reach our goal together, right? So you're going to be the CEO of all of your voices and you can totally do that. You can totally do that. You got this, right? So hold the belief I'm consistent unless I have a damn good reason not to be. When I'm inconsistent, there's a part of me that I haven't really listened to. There's a part of me that I haven't shown enough curiosity and compassion to. And I'm going to explore that. I'm going to listen to her. What, what is the fear? What is the unmet need that might potentially happen here where this protective part of me or this rightfully so rebellious part of me is like, yeah, I'm not on board for this crap. Like, <laughs> and how can I approach it differently so that it feels easy, so that it feels enjoyable, so that it feels sustainable? I'm not just trying to do this as quickly as possible, even if it means misery, because the end will justify the means. No, that, that never works. First of all, nobody's going to stick to something long-term that they're miserable with. 
And you've got enough evidence of that through all the self-sabotage that has already happened in your life, right? So I'm consistent unless I have a damn good reason not to be. All parts of me are good. Every single part of me is good. And I'm the CEO of all of the parts of me. Thank you guys for tuning in today. I hope that this episode was helpful to you and that it was something totally different than maybe the way that you've thought about consistency so far. And if this really resonates with you and you're like, ooh, I, I like this. This this is feeling like expansive inside of your belly. And you're like, I need more of this. I need this insight. I need the one-on-one with some of my stuff, right? I would love to work with you one-on-one as your coach. And I'm currently taking new clients. So if you're interested in doing a free consult call, I would love to jump on the phone with you actually over Zoom. I love video chat because I'd love to see your face and get to know you and everything. So if that's something that you're interested in, head over to my website, theketofit.com. And if you scroll down to any page on my website, you're going to see a form to fill out a curiosity call request. And we can jump on a completely free 30-minute Zoom session where we'll just get to know each other a little bit better. And I will tell you more about coaching and what it would be like to work together. But also, I would love to just give you some free keto tips or mindset tips. I believe in leaving everybody um, better than I found them. I want to get some tools in your hands that can totally help you today. So I'd love to talk with you more. Remember to head over to theketofit.com and sign up for that curiosity call request. Or if you're following me on social media, I'm at the Keto Fit on Facebook or Instagram. You can just send me a direct message. We can set something up there as well. I hope that you guys have a fantastic week and I'll be back with you all next week.